This is Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois. The podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs, unchain your potential, and create the meaningful life you were made for. And now here's your host, Navy SEAL founder of Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, Rob Dubois. I was getting ready for the 2001 deployment that would end up being our 9-11 deployment, as regular listeners know, probably spring of 2001. And I was getting ready to go down to Hurlburt Field, AFSOC, Air Force Special Operations Command, to do a couple of terrorism courses. One was called Dynamics of International Terrorism. And it was for intelligent people, intelligence people who aren't necessarily intelligent, but intelligence people like myself, of course, I came from NSA before I got to the teams. I was 10 years as a spook flying for NSA doing Russian subject matter expert stuff. So I'm, I'm getting myself down there and I was in the admin offices doing my travel preparations. You got to do the claim and the preparation and everything. And I was filling out the forms and there's a guy who we will not name. I, I like to think of him as my greatest detractor. There's everyone's got that foil. Everyone's got that person that just thinks you're a piece of garbage. Well, this was that guy. We'll call him Timmy. And Timmy was a massive, muscular, just a big brute of a guy, inked from head to toe. And he believed that there was one way to be a SEAL, you know, break things until they submit. So he actually walked up while I was preparing my forms like a complete nerd. And he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to Herbert. For what? Terrorism course. Why? I said, I'm going because I'm an intelligence guy. And I got to do the, to, the, I'm the guy that needs to know about the terrorism. And he said, and I quote, SEALs don't need to know about terrorism. SEALs need to know how to shoot, move, and communicate and fix outboard motors. And I said, well, let's agree to disagree. <laughs> that was my actual, as I said, 9-11 tour. And I would, would watch 9-11 happen live on September 11, 2001, a few months later, with my platoon in the Middle East, teaching Arab SEALs how to kill terrorists. And all 20 or so of us sat together, Americans and Arabs, all SEALs, all willing to die for the cause, all willing to stop these guys with our lives. And in the end, when I got back, probably a year later, because 9-11 happened, we redeployed after we did some missions to prepare the, the invasion. I was, some people know I was the cartographer. Uh, the guy who painted the maps so that the Marines could invade Afghanistan. The first hydro reconnaissance in probably 50 years, as far as I know. But we did the mission on the beach to, to let the Marines into Afghanistan. So we get back to the team just before Christmas, and right around that same time, SOCOM was coming around, talking to all the special operations guys. I believe it was Schumacher at the time. And he went to all the teams, all the SF teams and all the Marine teams and all the Air Force teams and all the SEAL teams and said, guys, Listen up. I know you got your specialty and he would, I, when he got to us in Pearl Harbor, he said, I know you're, you know, you focus on the diving in the water, but I need you to understand from now on, you're all counter terrorists. Everybody in SOCOM is counter terrorists. Everybody needs to know about terrorism. I never went back to see Timmy about that little discussion we had a year earlier, but uh, I knew I was vindicated in my, in my mind because you do need to use your mind. And that's what the topic of today's podcast is all about. Our third task is mold your mind. It's about mindfulness. It's about curiosity. It's about intellectual capacity. It's about keeping your mind elastic. Uh, there's a million technologies, a million approaches, a million ways to, to use and exercise and keep your mind young, pliable, and active these days because 
That is a big part of our life. Everything, as Stephen Covey said, everything is created twice, first in the mind. So as I said, mold your mind is a big part of what we do. And I want to segue from here into my guest for today is a guy I've known for quite some time, and I really admire him. I'm not just saying that so he'll feel nice about himself, but I actually respect John. I actually respect people who are willing to break the mold of what, what what others expect of us. And I'm sure you'll be able to talk about this too, John, because as a frogman who's mindful, a frogman who's meditative, and, and, and the things that you'll be telling us about today, it, I, I want everyone listening, I want each listener now and in 60 years to understand that your responsibility is to be your authentic self complete. I have tattoos. I have some big muscles. I, I, certain categories, not the great hair, but certain categories of a good seal – are, are satisfied on, on my list, but also I play Dungeons and Dragons and like to hang out with my kids and roll around and goof off, you know. So we have, we have whole lives and that's what the impact concepts are all about. Be a whole person, body, mind, heart, and soul, as well as having that healthy boundary setting of Dunzone. So John, as I'll talk about here, is very active in the mindfulness realm, in being engaged in meditation and becoming somebody who well, re-becoming, I should say, more accurately, going beyond our stereotypes, going beyond our stigma, uh, our, if you will, cliches of what SEALs are, or what surgeons are, or what rocket scientists are. John McCaskill graduated from the U.S. Naval Academy and became a commander all the way through the Navy teams. He is a SEAL commander turned mindfulness and meditation teacher. He holds a master's degree in ops research from the Naval Postgrad School and has served in Iraq, Afghanistan, off the coast of Somalia, and in Panama. He also runs a consulting business that brings mindfulness and meditation to high-performing teams to aid in dealing with stress, anxiety, and depression, all while increasing focus, creativity, and productivity. John, welcome to Beyond Your Limits. Hey, Rob. Good to be here. Thanks so much for that intro, and I love that anecdote, man, that we probably have similar anecdotes, <laughs> which we should compare notes at some point you know there's a lot of us in the teams who are on that and this is not in any way to suggest that seals are knuckle draggers you and i know know better and everybody who knows seals knows that do we have knuckle draggers absolutely Uh, does the does the uh, english department of the local high school have a knuckle dragger yes absolutely in fact speaking of minds and speaking of not knuckle draggers i I remember when i was going to the teams uh, right after buds and i was kind of nervous about it. Like, I'm this complete nerd. I come out of NSA. I mean, there's no nerdier organization in the planet than NSA. And I was talking to a, a, a prospective, you know, a future platoon mate uh, as he was a SEAL at the team. I said, dude, I'm nervous about this. He's like, no, no, we're not, we're not knuckle draggers. In fact, in my platoon, we have a book club. <laughs> I was like, you're kidding, right? He said, no, we read, we all agree on the same book. We read it, we talk about it and we get a chance. I was like, okay, now we're on the right track. Now I can now, I cannot feel too intimidated by walking into a, a place where I might not fit because we do have a, a, we have a spectrum. Every community has its spectrum. I have, you know, there's the Timmies out there that just want to shoot, move and communicate. And that's all you need to know ever. So you have, uh, I didn't talk about this in the bio because I wanted to open it up in the discussion points. Um, you have this podcast you've been doing with Will for a long time called Men Talking Mindfulness. And I, I've, in our, in my preparation for our session today, I, I, Listen to a lot of your stuff. And the one thing I really wanted to pull out of it, you can share so much more about the podcast, about the, uh, about the, the operations you're involved in with Mission Six Zero and so forth. But Will, I think, said in the intro, fighting the authentic human experience is exhausting. 
That quote just jumped out at me. Fighting the authentic human experience is exhausting. And that goes back to what I was saying. We pretend to be what we think others want us to be sometimes. You and Will are really breaking that mold, aren't you? Yeah, we're trying. I mean, just like just like that intro to the podcast says, it really is exhausting. And how many of us wear these these fake masks all day long, every day, only to go home and take them off and just be completely smoked? from from pretending to be something we're not. And it's it's not only exhausting but it's it's just fake, right? I mean, well, why would we want to portray that we are something we're not? Um because then you're trying to impress people uh for reasons that don't aren't really worth your time and energy. Wouldn't you rather surround yourself with people who are impressed by who you truly are? Wouldn't you rather surround yourself by people who love you and like you for who you truly are rather than love you and like you for this, this facade? So it's, it's not just a waste of energy, but you end up surrounding yourself with people who love somebody who's not even you. So it's, uh, it's a waste of time, energy, and, uh, it's just not worth it. So the, the authentic human experience, that's what we talk about quite often on the show is being open is being vulnerable and really figuring out who you are. Cause that's a lot of us in order to take that mask off, we need to figure out who we are behind that mask. I mean, much like we do in the, in the military, so many of us wear a military uniform. And then when we hang it up, there's kind of this loss of identity because so much of what it is we've been hanging our, our identity on has been with that uniform. But now we can put that uniform aside and, and truly figure out who we are. Without that uniform, well, if you're not military, you need to figure out who you are without that mask. And then you can go out and be the true you and, uh, and surround yourselves with, surround yourself with people who love you and like you for who you truly are. So it's about not identifying with the certificate, basically. Whatever they That's told right. you are, whatever you qualified to be in that pursuit. I want to bring in Eric. Coach Eric Bond, welcome aboard here, a certified impact coach and impact and our, our, our producer. You are a podcast experienced guy, obviously, Eric, and you are also a coach in real world with uh, scars to prove it from sports activity. But you're also dealing with mind perspective things. We do your, your own podcast before we started doing this, the Beyond Your Limits was all, it was leadership, even though you're talking about sports, right? And that's mindset stuff. Correct. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here today and, and to, to spend time with you and, and John. It's, it's a huge, huge topic. And I, I think that, I think people, especially males, alpha males, if you will, I think they're the ones that struggle with it the most and, and the overwhelming majority of the time in silence. And, you know, I think that there's more that needs to be done from an education standpoint to let that, you know, quote unquote, alpha male know that, hey, it's okay to be authentic. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay, you know, to, to, to have people see your shortcomings because that makes you real. It makes you human and it makes you more relatable. And people are probably more apt to follow you if you are that way and not this shell of, of who you want them to be. I guess I should say, you know, the shell of, you know, this person that, you know, you want people to see that this isn't necessarily who you really are. 
I'm going to come back to that a comment you made, John, and the the validation you're making, Eric. But I'm going to save that for a little later in this episode. But what you're talking about there, Eric, is especially males. I love that idea because, you know, it's such a huge area for us to explore. Um, males, uh, we are conditioned. Everyone's conditioned. I'm not pretending it's a male thing. But everyone's conditioned. But but males are conditioned to be this macho thing, this presentation thing, the Timmy thing. The Timmy who actually gets pissed at somebody like me for going to an intel school to learn about terrorism because it ain't, it ain't, it ain't right. It ain't right, right? And I'm not trying to make fun of Timmy either. I don't mean, I don't mean to disparage any human being. I think we all got our own bag of, of liabilities, assets and liabilities. And I personally know all of mine and I dread anybody finding all of them. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I like to reveal, reveal plenty of it as you're talking about, John. Be authentic. Can you help me understand, John? Can you help us understand how you came to get to this place? Because I'm sure when you were going to Bud's, it was all hoo-ya and Fuck yeah, right? You were like, I'm going to be the world's baddest badass because that's what SEALs are when you're a wannabe SEAL. At some point, that was your great trajectory. You poured, all, as I know, and many of us know from personal experience at Bud's, blood, sweat, and tears. You poured your heart out to become that thing. And then it sounds like you've evolved beyond the just the, the concept of being a badass. We never throw away the badass, but you've be, uh, evolved to where, beyond thinking that's the pinnacle. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. That You know, what inspired me to become a SEAL was wanting to be part of an elite unit. And, you know, sadly to, uh, sad to admit that a lot of the, that inspiration came from the, the Hollywood movie, The Rock. When the SEAL teams, you know, come into the, through the basement, into the shower, and they, they're surrounded by the Marines and everything that they had done to that point was so badass. I was like, Hey, that's, that's pretty sweet. That's what I want to do. Can I jump in there real quick? I want to uh, yeah, stack please. on that real quick. Two things. One, I know several of the SEALs from that movie, friends of mine, because there, as you know, there were several actual SEALs doing the SEALs, right? Right. And Chalk, Denny Talker was one, the, the old Master Chief. Dick Marcinko's Master Chief. God rest Dick Marcinko's soul. Yeah. Denny came Wild, back huh? and talked to us at Bud's, and he's like, yeah, so we did this thing. And we're all, and as, as students were like, tell us about, you know, like being a SEAL and all this stuff. But he came back, he's like, yeah, I just did the rock thing. He's like, we said, tell us about the rock. Tell us about... You know, what's his name? Uh, shoot, the guy, um, Nick Cage. Tell us about Nicholas Nick Cage. Cage. Sean, Sean Connery. He's Sean like, Connery. this is stupid. Don't, 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 guys, I'm talking about buds here, <laughs> but we actually buds <laughs> about movie stars. But that was fun. It was cool to know, uh, Steve Decker was one of the frogs in that movie and, uh, and the, the one and only Joe Hawes. But the, the, the issue was, the issue I had with that movie is that it's complete fantasy because a bunch of Marines wiped out a bunch of seals. So that caveat said, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah. No. So, uh, yeah, you know, going into the Navy, I enlisted first and then ended up going through the Naval Academy and getting picked up to, to be an officer within the SEAL teams, or at least be an officer going to BUDS, attempting to become a SEAL. And that my mentality was just that, you know, I, I needed to be a badass and I needed to be a badass to get into the training. I needed to be a badass to get through the training. And, you know, to a point that helped me. But there was a lot of that human experience that we talked about before that was lacking. A lot of compassion for the, the, the fellow students going through SEAL training who may not have made it. I mean, back then I was conditioned to look at those who didn't make it through the training and be like, Hey, you're weak. Yep. You're, you're, you're weak. And, and not only weak in physical, but you're weak mentally. And I mean, I, I think there's, 
plenty of amazing people that try to become a SEAL and go to BUDS that are mentally strong, but they just decide, hey, you know what? This isn't for me. And they go on to do great things elsewhere. And just because you don't make it through BUDS training doesn't mean you're weak mentally or physically. So, you know, through through my time in the in the SEAL teams, uh, I saw some people who made it through BUDS and were SEALs who were, how, how should I say this? They, they weren't that physically or mentally strong. They were uh, probably wearing that mask. They were wearing that mask of, hey, I'm going to portray that I'm tough. I'm going to portray that I'm physically and mentally strong, but they weren't. When things, when things got stressful, um, when things got to a point where they needed to truly sit down and think through something and couldn't just muscle through it, they couldn't. So much like you said before, there's, you know, knuckle draggers in the, in the English class. There's uh, the, the counter to that is that there's some folks who are not so mentally or physically strong in the SEAL teams. Uh, I will say those are the exception, not the rule. Definitely not the rule. I think the rule is that most people are mentally and physically strong in the SEAL teams. But with what I saw and did and didn't do in combat, I ended up struggling mentally. And I ended up self-medicating with alcohol, self-medicating with over-the-counter drugs, and ended up getting prescription drugs that I was uh, self-medicating with as well, and was numb to life and realized, you know what, I'm, I'm tougher than this. I can do this. I, I, can, I, can, I can mentally work this out. And got introduced to a counselor who said, you know what, you should try meditation. You should try mindfulness. And I laughed at him. Initially, I was like, hey, man, <laughs> uh, I, again, coming back to that mask, I was wearing this false bravado mask, this type A personality that, that Eric talked about, you know, the, the man saying, look, I'm this tough guy. I, I don't need this meditation stuff. And he was like, well, let me show you this, this counselor showed me some very high performing individuals that practice meditation, that practice mindfulness or that live mindfully. And he showed me why it works, what's physiologically happening inside your brain as you meditate, as you live mindfully and how it changes that neuroplasticity that you talked about before, Rob, how that actually allows your mind to change and develop new neural pathways, learn new things, change the way that you see the world literally and figuratively. And once, once he showed that to me and I practiced meditation and started living mindfully after about two months, I started to see the changes in the way that I perceived things in the way that I perceived people. And I was more compassionate about who they were, but I was also more compassionate with myself. My view of life completely changed. I still felt that I was a warrior, but I felt actually that I was more of a warrior, a more competent warrior, a more important, uh, more uh, of a warrior in the important ways, a thinking warrior, kind of the, 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 the warrior that we all want on the battlefield, not just the knuckle dragger. The knuckle draggers have a time and place and, you know, those hard pipe hitting Dudes, we need them uh, in a, in certain times and places, but we need thinkers on the battlefield more often than not. 
We need people who are in touch with who they are and are not wearing that, that mask. That's what we need more of. And to Eric's point with men, we did a, an episode on the Men Talking Mindfulness podcast. Actually, we've done several of them on on toxic masculinity. And I don't like that term necessarily because a lot of people think by, by using the, the term toxic masculinity that we mean masculinity in and of itself is not toxic. Absolutely. We've talked about it's that not. too. It, We're addressing the same issue yeah, in, in beyond your, yeah. beyond your uh, yeah. limits because toxic masculinity go. is not masculinity. It's by definition, toxic exactly. water is exactly. water that has toxins in it. And masculinity exactly. that has toxins in it is toxic masculinity. And it's being so right. stigmatized. And I want all the guys out there that are like, oh, it's so now masculinity is bad. No, the exact opposite. Masculinity yeah. is a pure, beautiful ideal for us to pursue. Right. Go for the greatest masculinity. Right. Be the best, best badass you can. But don't right. be an abusive and asshole. Don't be a dick. That's exactly. toxic. Right. Right, exactly. And I think that's what you said when you came on my podcast is, you know, don't be a dick. And that's, that's the toxic side is when you try to force your views on anyone. But, but even more to Eric's point is that we had, we had Eric at, or uh, Ed Adams and Ed Frauenheim. They, they wrote a book called Reinventing Masculinity. And it's, it's all about how the masculine roles are in society are seen as providers, protectors and conquerors. And that's it. Providers, protectors, and conquerors. And if you're outside of that, then you're not masculine. But that's not true at all. You can be the provider, protector, and conqueror, but you can also be the nurturer. You can be the lover. You can be the creative. You can be whatever you want to be. And that comes back to the, uh, you know, the, the, the true humanity, the human experience, the full human experience that we're talking about. We're limiting ourselves to so much. We're limiting ourselves from so much if we're living in that confined masculinity and we're not opening ourselves up to so much more of this human experience. Why do you think, to go back to the question that jumped out at me when you were you and Eric were talking earlier, you I'm going to quote you and ask you the same question. You said rhetorically, why would we want to pretend to be something we're not? And I'm going to ask you, <laughs> why would we want to pretend to be something we're not? I mean, what do you guys think is the underneath that? I have my own ideas, and I can tell you from a, a lifetime of struggling with self-esteem and being an addict and recovery and struggling through being, you know, thinking I was a piece of garbage. A shit-filled Twinkie is one thing I've heard in recovery. People, you know, we can look great on the outside, get glossy and just golden brown, but we don't want anybody to get close enough to take a taste, take a bite, and find out what's inside. Do you think we're hiding something? Is that why we don't want to be authentic and complete? We don't believe people can like it? Eric, you want to tackle that first and I'll jump on it? I think to to some to certain degree, yes. I mean, I, I think that a lot of people have I think you I, I think people know themselves well enough to know what their shortcomings are and they overcompensate to hide those shortcomings. At least in, in, in my in my opinion in in, a, in, in my life. Yeah, you know, I, I'm really well aware of what I'm not good at. So I think people, you know, at least me, I mean, I've, I've always, I've tried to push those things and it's almost self-consciously where you push those things aside. So you're like, oh man, I don't want somebody to know that maybe, you know, my language isn't awesome in a sales call. So I'm going to find a way around that and I'm going to push that down so people think that I'm you know, uh, the next Grant Cardone or something. I don't know. Um, so 
I think it's, I think a lot of that is just really human nature. Um, and I think people that, you know, just, you get to a point where subconsciously you just, you push that and, and, and put some dirt over it and, and grow mushrooms, <laughs> you know? So, so I don't know. That's just kind of, kind of my take. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it, a lot of it probably comes from childhood in, in True. what, what we're exposed to in childhood, you know, kids are mean. I've got, I've got young kids now. I've got a four-year-old, a two-year-old and a, and a seven-month-old, the seven-month-old and the two-year-old aren't experiencing it so much, but the four-year-old, she comes home from school and she tells me what some of the other kids at school are saying, you know, and this isn't preschool and she's being told that her hair is ugly or that her dress is ugly. And, you know, we, we were all, I'm sure growing up at some point told something that was mean about us, or we may have even said something mean to other kids. I mean, we've, we were all kids at one point. And like I said, kids are mean, but those statements, you know, that old, that old saying, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I think it's complete bullshit. It's uh, it's the exact opposite. Those words hurt way worse than any sticks or stones, and they stick with us. And so we have these perceptions of what's not going to get made fun of uh, or stigmatized or poked fun at, and we don't, we don't want to be that. So that's one thing. Say, so, hey, we don't. We, we wear a mask so that we're not perceived as weak. We wear a mask so that we're not perceived as somebody who's vulnerable. We wear a mask so that we're not made fun of. Then the other side is we see the Hollywood elite or the political elite or whatever. And they're, you know, they're, they've got their perfect hair. They've got their perfect car perceived anyway. And we want to be that. So then we wear this mask of perfection because we see what these elite folks, quote unquote, get with that perfect body, that perfect hair, that perfect car, perfect home. And we're like, okay, well, I don't want to be the one that's made fun of. And I do want to be the one that gets all the accolades. So I'm going to put this fake mask on. And uh, I mean, it's much like social media, right? <laughs> we put on social media what we want people to see. We don't put the, the true life, the, 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 challenges that we're overcoming that or that we're butting up against and if people saw true life more often i think people would be more open to be, be being more true themselves yeah jen i was going to bring that up with within this ask you about that social media piece which things there seem to have really proliferated over the last i would say two or three years i mean it, it was it was trending in a direction you know, and social media is so new. I mean, it really came on the scene, what, a decade ago. And, you know, now I think, especially over the last two or three years, as the country becomes more divided in it, you either have to feel this way or that way, there's no middle ground. I think that's even more so. And I think it's even more so you see it in kids that, you know, they have to have a certain image or a certain, you know, uh, talk a certain way or look a certain way or, have certain things and it's really damaging. So, I mean, how do you, I don't know how much you get into social media or anything like that and trying to help people from a mindfulness standpoint, but you know, in your opinion, like how damaging has social media become uh, when it comes to, to to vulnerability and authenticity? I I think that social media, it's a double-edged sword. It's absolutely when you, just scroll through and you look at everybody's 
beautiful pictures on Instagram and they've got the perfect bodies and perfect lives, it, it becomes really hard to show any vulnerability because you don't want to be seen as the opposite of that perfect, right? That said, there are people who are out there that are, are expressing vulnerability on social media. I mean, there, there's the, the, the saying it's okay to not be okay. A lot of people are putting that out there on social media. A lot of people are starting to be more open about the challenges that they're facing. Uh, Brene Brown is, you know, has become famous for showing how vulnerability is actually a strength in, in her books, in her TED talk, in her Netflix specials and her, and her social media profiles. Those types of people are doing great work in helping to keep the balance. I'd say it's still on the negative side that the balance is still on the negative side. But, um, I think that with shows like what you're doing here in this, in this podcast, in social media with people who are open and honest about what they post, and it's not just all hunky dory and perfection all day long, every day, people are starting to see that, that there is strength in being vulnerable. So yeah, I definitely think social media is that is that double-edged sword and we're finally starting to see people use the, uh, the other edge for good. But yes, you're right. In the, in the last few years, it's definitely trended on the negative side. I'm glad you're talking about the vulnerability. Mel Robbins is someone else I follow and she also talks a lot. She's very open about, she has amazing wisdom of great leadership, self-leadership, self-management and growth. And she talks about her flaws and she's open about that. And we need more of us. Uh, the XY chromosomes need to get out there and start representing, you know, it's okay to be not okay. Uh, you mentioned, uh, the, the rigid guys, the, the mask wearing guys on our teams. And I agree with you. There's a lack of resilience in that mask because you're so, it's like a, you know, we talk about growth mindset and fixed mindset. The person's unwilling to learn or grow. That's a, it's like a right. little hermit crab just cramping into its the wrong size shell and never going to be its full realization of what it's supposed to be. You and Will uh, got together. When when did you meet up and how did you meet up and how did you do start doing men talking mindfulness? Because men talking mindfulness, I want to put that out there. I want people to, to find that show and listen to it. Uh, and then I'd like you to quick touch on the whole journey you took too. It, was a, it wasn't ayahuasca, <laughs> yeah. but it was a, a trip, an actual yeah. trip. Yeah. Because it's mind expanding and that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Physical and mental trip. Um, so Will and I got introduced by a, a mutual friend. I'm an Able Academy grad and I, and I do actually have West Point friends. Oh, <laughs> and this no, one, uh, no. This is a deal breaker. To admit it. <laughs> you should have told me that before the uh, story started. Uh, right, right. Uh, so one of my West Point friends, he had gone on a yoga retreat on his own kind of journey to mental and, and physical wellness. And, and one of the instructors was Will, Will Schneider. And he became instant friends with him. And then when he learned that I was starting to get into the mindfulness space, he's like, Oh yeah, I've got this guy you should meet. And Will and I were instant friends on on the phone and on zoom call and like once a month he and i would just get on the phone and rap about about what we were doing in the mental health and in, in the mindfulness in the physical wellness space and then and then covid hit and will being a yoga uh, instructor a lot of his in-person yoga retreats and training that he was doing went away 
and uh, I saw that he was doing yoga on Instagram. And I was like, hey, you know those calls that we do every month? Why don't we just start putting those on Instagram? It, like, we'll just do an Instagram live, see who tunes in, and and see what happens. And uh, and and we we did that, and we had like three or four viewers at a time. It wasn't it wasn't huge, but we started getting people that were coming in regularly to see what we were saying and what we were talking about. And a lot of it has to do with a lot of what we've discussed here on this show. You know, the growth mindset versus fixed mindset, the scarcity mindset versus abundance mindset, those types of things. And we started to get people who were like, hey, what you guys are talking about is really powerful and and you should turn this into a podcast. And we're like, well, I have no idea how to rip it off Instagram. But anyway, I, I did some searching and I figured out how to rip it off Instagram and just took the audio straight off Instagram Live and made a show show from it. And it's evolved since then. And we've gotten a lot more professional and uh, much more strategic in the in the show. It was it was really just two guys talking at, at, to start. But it's it's become a, a fairly successful podcast. It's in you know top top two and a half percent of the the podcasts that are out there, and I, I think it's going to continue to grow. But yeah, as, as far as the the journey, what you mentioned, it was uh, not not ayahuasca, but psilocybin. Will and I traveled down to Costa Rica with a group down there, actually led by a, a former Army Ranger guy who had uh, connected with me and Will, and he was like, "Hey." You guys should, you should try psilocybin. So psilocybin is what comes from the magic mushrooms, if you will. And, you know, a lot of people are like, well, why do you want to go on this trip, quote unquote, if you're always talking about mindfulness? Mindfulness is, hey, you want to be in the present moment. You want to be aware of what's going on. Well, we don't want to take a trip so that we escape the world. We want to take these, these psychedelic trips so that we can actually rewire our brain so that we're actually more present in the in the present moment. And so we did two psilocybin ceremonies uh, that lasted somewhere between six and eight hours. You kind of lose track of time. But in that in my first ceremony, I definitely had some powerful experiences, some memories that I had forgotten about completely come back to back to life as though they were right in front of me, good and bad. But that allowed me to process some of those memories that I hadn't processed before, kind of work through them, what uh, things that I had done, things that I hadn't done, times that I didn't step up that I should have and kind of work through that. And then the, uh, the second ceremony, I went in with the intention of seeking forgiveness. Uh, specifically, I was wanting forgiveness for moral injury for, for taking fellow humans' lives on the battlefield because it's not what it is in the movies, I'll tell you that. And I, I came out of that ceremony feeling as though I had been forgiven, as uh, literally like a blanket of forgiveness. Uh, I, during the ceremony, I felt like you wear these eye shades so you don't see a whole lot. And I felt as though somebody came and put a blanket on top of me. And I lifted my eye shade to see if anyone was there. And there was nobody there and there was no blanket. But it literally felt as though once that blanket was on top of me, that I had been forgiven for what I had done on the battlefield. And I had been forgiven for other things over and above that. And uh, it was uh, just a, a tremendous feeling to come out of that ceremony with. So that's uh, that's a little bit about men talking mindfulness and a little bit more about the, the psychedelic journey that we went on. 
you know, forgiveness is something that we do for ourselves, right? When we, when someone else wrongs us, the forgiving is done for our own release. But you also, especially, I mean, we have to forgive ourselves. We're not talking heart here. This is the next episode is heart, but in, in, in mind, we can talk about this act, the actual consciousness of forgiveness and your experience of forgiveness must take away not only the, like the anchors that, or the, the shackles that you wear when you don't forgive yourself, like Marley. Scrooge's friend Marley, he wears the chains forever. And if we don't forgive someone else for some perceived wrong, we remain shackled. These anchors hang on us and we walk through life. But the same thing with your forgiveness, the sense of forgiving, forgiven. You're no longer distracted by that. Like it doesn't have to pull you back and pull you down. You can move forward into your true destiny, into what God created you to do, to become this thing, this best ever John, you know, the best possible John, the best possible Rob. Best possible Timmy, referring back to our friend Timmy from earlier in the podcast. <laughs> this is clarity. This is a, that, I mean, we talk about the high impact mindset. I've been talking about that for years, and you're talking about men talking mindfulness. This is why mindfulness is a badass thing to do. It is badass to become liberated, to become powerful in freedom from the things that hold us back, including the masks we hide behind, trying to be this pretend badass. We see guys all over social today wearing full-on tactical kit, right? And you see it everywhere. And I call these guys, including some, I won't go too deep into politics now, but some people have been violent in recent months and years. And, and I call them Amazon Prime Commandos. <laughs> because they got all their kit from, I mean, there's no scars on their kit. My kit is scarred. My kit is, is filthy from Iraq, from Afghanistan, from everywhere else in the world. Theirs is fresh off the, off the uh, factory shelf. But that's fake. It's not masculinity. It's not strength. It's not power. It's all part of the shell, part of the mask. And I, I wanted to ask you real quick before we wind down here, can you tell us a little bit about the current mission, Mission 60? Because I want to make sure people are aware of that and can find it before we wrap. Yeah. So Mission 60 is a, an organization founded by uh, another West Point grad, but he's, he's a great guy. Uh, <laughs> special, special forces, uh, Jason Van Camp. It, it started as a, as a kind of a leadership and management consulting company, or, uh, we don't like to call it a, a consulting. It's more of a management and leadership advising. Um, and you know, the, of course we've got to call it advising if it's run by special forces, but <laughs> the intent there is to help companies and individuals become better through, coaching by former special operations and and uh scientists and when i say scientists i mean phd's those who are you know steeped in mental performance mental change and mission 60 has six domains and i now that i say that i'm probably going to screw it up but it's there's there's a mental domain a physical domain a professional domain social domain an emotional domain and a spiritual domain. I think I got all six there. I may have, may have doubled up on them, but bottom line is we work to improve all those domains. And then Jason, even though it was a uh, primarily leadership advising company, um, when the, the pandemic hit, he pivoted dramatically super fast. He was like, you know what? Okay. We're going to continue to do that. We'll do it virtually. But we're also going to do what's called the deliberate discomfort challenge. So he has a book called deliberate discomfort written by him and some of his company mates, uh, when he was in the A teams. And he, 
took that deliberate discomfort book and created a deliberate discomfort challenge under mission six zero. And that, that works on improving each one of those six domains in individuals through a 60 day challenge. So mission six zero 60, they do 60 days. Each one of those domains is refined and worked on each one of those days. And if you miss any of them, you got to start over. Just like, uh, just like Buzz, you nice. got to recycle and get rolled back. And it's, it's pretty amazing. Last year, we, we started that January of last year, and they've just started another one this year. Each week, they have a new cohort starting. And last year, we put 800 people through and they've all improved in each one of those six domains. One of in, within the spiritual domain, we teach mindfulness and meditation in that which, you know, a lot of people wouldn't have guessed with a bunch of special operators and scientists, but right. that's what Mission Six Zero is and uh, what the Deliberate Discomfort Challenge is. And people can find that on the web spelled out, Mission Six Zero. That's right. For those who are looking for it. And for looking for you, can you tell us what, you know, first of all, what do you want people to take away from here? What's the footstomp for this BUDS instructor to leave about <laughs> mindfulness and your work and your, your life mission? And how do they reach you? How do they find you? Yeah. Well, I'll start with the latter question first. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm on there just with my name, J-O-N McCaskill, John McCaskill, J-O-N. And if, if you, you find the John McCaskill, that's a former Navy SEAL commander teaching mindfulness. That's me. Pretty few and far between. There is Mark Devine that does uh, similar stuff and he's uh, doing awesome stuff as well. But yeah, I'm uh, John. And then I'm on Instagram as Mindful Frogman. And uh, that's primarily where I put my focus is on LinkedIn and Instagram. You can also find me at johnmccaskill.com and it's got all the links that that we've talked about here. And then I'd just love to just stomp the foot that vulnerability and working on yourself, working on your mind, working to improve your mind is by no means weak. It's completely opposite. It takes a lot of time, effort, and discipline to work on those things. It takes a lot of strength and character and courage to be vulnerable. So that's my foot stomper, if you will. So thanks for that opportunity, Rob. I love that. Thank you so much, John, for the honor of coming on talking about this today. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Eric, as always, thank you. Uh, what do you want to take away today from mindfulness? I guess the, the, the one thing that I see a lot is... And once again, just just going back to men because I, I'm I'm a man. In the last, you know, at least at least today, I'm a man. We don't know we don't know where things are going in the future with all that stuff. And today, you identify as that. a man. I identify as a man today. Yes. What I have a hard time wrapping my head around why people always put themselves last. And you know, I, I, one of the things that, that, you know, I, I don't think we really didn't get a, a ton of time to talk about that, but, you know, you, you look at, especially, you know, men, husbands, you know, you're, you're a husband, you're a father, you have a commitment to work all the time. Most of the time that gets, everything gets stacked up before yourself. And I think that a lot of times men run into burnout because they don't spend enough time on themselves. And I guess for me, I mean, I, I, I would love just to, you know, quickly, John, you know, your take on that and, and maybe some things that people can do to put themselves first so they can show up to be better husbands, better fathers, better coworkers, better leaders and all that. 
Yeah, I'd love to hit on that. Thanks, Eric. And and you hit it right there at the end, right? Is we are taught as as men and and then it's kind of further driven home as as military leaders that leaders eat last. And and you know, leaders do everything last so that they can take care of as far as self-care so that their people are taken care of. You also hear the the term you take care of your team, they'll take care of you. I don't believe any of that. I believe that in order to take care of your team so that they can take care of you, you have to take care of yourself first. Have to. You have to. Same with your family. Same with your your work, everything that you do at work. If you're not taking care of yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally, you're going to burn out. You're going to burn out mentally, you're going to burn out physically, and you're going to burn out emotionally. So... It's much like that oxygen mask thing, right? When you get on the airplane, they're like, hey, if the cabin loses pressure, the oxygen mask will drop. If they do, put your oxygen mask on first before you help out somebody else. Because if you don't, you're going to pass out in an attempt to help somebody else out. So if you're taking care of your team all day long, every day, if you're taking care of your family all day long, every day, and putting yourself dead last, if at all, then eventually you're going to burn out. And then you're not going to be the best version of yourself so that you can take care of your family, so that you can take care of your friends, so that you can take care of your team. In order to do that, you got to take care of yourself first. So now I'm not saying only take care of yourself, you know, and, and there's obviously a, a level of, of self maintenance where it becomes high maintenance and that's too much, but taking care of yourself to where you meet your needs, that's where that's you've got to meet your needs. You've got to meet your needs so that you can meet the needs of others. That's where that's where the line is. Yeah, self-care is not selfish. It's actually exactly. you can't pour from the empty vessel. That's the whole concept of everything in impact actual. We focus on building the person, body, mind, heart, and soul across the entire organism so that you can make a difference in the world. So that not because it's good for me, not because I feel awesome when I take care of myself, not for like rah rah rah, bring me another cup of coffee, but because Therefore, thereby I become capable. Thereby I become powerful to give so that we can give back. Gentlemen, this is fantastic stuff. I so appreciate it. And to the listener, thank you so much for being with us for this episode. Next week, of course, is Heart because Body, Mind, Heart, and Soul, a.k.a. Live, Learn, Laugh, Love. And guys, this has been a fantastic episode. John and Eric, thank you so much. And uh, we will be hearing you all, all you makers out there making a difference, making an impact. We'll see you on the next episode. Out. Thanks for joining us on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois, the podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs, unchain your potential, and create the meaningful life you were made for. For more information about Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, visit impactactual.com. And be sure to subscribe on Apple iTunes or wherever you like to listen so you'll never miss a show. We'll see you next time on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois.